Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sports Ball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode today, don't we, Scotty? All the special, all the episode. All the time. Today is National Artichoke Day. Uh, I mean, no. No. What a horrible day. Fuck today. To be alive. <laughs> it's the day before St. Patrick's Day. Just mark that. That St. Practice Day is also <laughs> Artichoke Day. Blah. All right. National Artichoke Day. We'll start with our Flexio of the Week. We've got three notable jabronis. We'll get into our Hall of Fame inductee, Lucia Harris. We'll get our scoreboard stumper answer. We've got our freezing cold take. We'll go to church. We've got three World Baseball Classic shampoos. Yeah. What a, wow. what a day. What a day. So, without further ado, hit me with that scoreboard. Stumper Scotty. All right. Another crazy far-fetched one from me. I want to know what is the biggest blowout, as in margin of victory, in NCAA tournament history. Was it Syracuse versus Brown in 1986? Was it UConn versus Chattanooga in 2009 or Kansas versus Prairie View in 1998? Kansas versus Prairie View stands out to me because I want to say that's Jacques Vaughn and Paul Pierce's Kansas team. And Prairie View is a very small school. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to go with that. All right. I'm going with biggest margin of... Victory, Kansas, Prairie View. We'll get that after our inductee, Lucia Harris. Moving on to Flexial of the Week. Hi, Phil Swift here for Flex Tape, the super strong waterproof tape that can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair. Each week, we recognize a franchise transaction that in no way fills the needs of the organization. This week's Flexial of the Week is... The Carolina Panthers moving up eight spots to draft number one overall, giving up two first-round picks, Mm -hmm. giving up two second-round picks, and giving up perennial wide receiver DJ Moore. To the Bears. To the Bears. So you move up eight spots from nine to one. And there's no real standout anymore. Yeah, they don't. There's not even someone they want to take. It's not like a year where there's a Peyton Manning type where everyone's clamoring for number one. Yeah, there's, there's no, no hot check Trevor Lawrence. One. They traded up for him, and they don't even know who they're drafting yet. There's yeah. like YouTube conspiracy theories about who they're going to draft. <laughs> That's how little is known, and they're still interviewing people. So it's not like they know, and they're keeping it hush hush. They haven't even decided yet. Why wouldn't you interview these people first before you move up in the draft and make that dedication, you know, make that sort of commitment? Um, that's a, like a huge gamble, and you don't even know what you're gambling on. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, well, we're here, but hey. <laughs> it's like you buy a VIP pass to a party, and you get there, and there's no one else there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have no idea who they want to take. They, I even heard a rumor that 
They might trade the pick they got. They might trade the <laughs> overall pick to someone else. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you, you could have taken, like, you know, wow, CJ Stroud. But, like, you know, no one's wowed by that. Like, there's no, there's no, there's nothing solid there. There's nothing to build your Who's franchise on, really. Is you it got like a chicken? Of- Is it like the economy chicken <laughs> from South Park? Yeah. I mean, like, they'll end up, like, drafting a guard. <laughs> Who knows? Worst overall guard. Bad choices all around. All right, moving on to notable jabroni. We'll start with uh, Texas Tech basketball coach Mark Adams. He said, he said to one of his players, or maybe the whole team, um, always a master and a servant. There's always a master and a servant. In his defense, he said he was reading a Bible scripture. Okay, sure. A Bible scripture. And... <laughs> He is also separately being investigated for spitting on a player. Yep. And then following it up with, I can spit on you whenever I want. <laughs> yeah, there, there's audio of him saying it. Like, Jesus. they were like, dude, and he was like, I can spit on you whenever I want to. Psychopath. So, yeah, he's suspended. Yeah. Indefinitely. Definitely. Um, probably fired. But for now, he's suspended. <laughs> they allow a lot of weird shit at Texas Tech, you know? All right, we're done with you, Mark Adams. Done with you. Um, moving on to our next notable jabroni, uh, the Georgia cops who didn't arrest Jalen Carter. <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> bit of a mistake there. Um, Georgia cops' body cam was released, and he was clocked going 89 and a 45. But the cops didn't arrest him or really say anything. They said, you know, you're getting lucky because of who you are. And they said, quote, that would make all kinds of news, and that's why they didn't arrest him that night. That was the same night that he was speeding, and um, you know one of his teammates died from racing. So, wow, yeah, his so this guy was gonna go number one overall. Like people thought this guy was gonna go number one overall. So maybe the Panthers had a plan, but <laughs> I don't know. This guy didn't work out for anybody because he had to go turn himself into the police. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're. And fell apart right before their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Panthers. Uh, that's a big risk. Oof. All right, uh, Georgia cops. We're done with you. Done with you. Uh, moving on to our third and final jabroni, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin back at it again. He's just like trying to molest people on camera. Yeah, he was removed from the NFL Super Bowl coverage because of an incident with an employee at. A hotel uh, they were staying at. He was accused of asking the employee about, quote, having a black man inside of her. And so, yeah, uh, Michael Irvin's team uh, rebuttaled with their own lawsuit that they filed in Arizona that is accusing her of, like, you know, being defamatory and they released video of uh, the incident but there's no audio and you can see the uh, female employee clearly like trying to put her hands behind her back and does not want to be like touched or any way in any way it's kind of uncomfortable to watch so I don't know what his legal team thinks they're trying to you know suppose but come on man they're gonna settle it out of court yep and then there'll be people that just defend him yep he never even all right anyway yep you or someone you know is a survivor of sexual assault and is seeking help, contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 
Moving on to our Hall of Fame inductee, Lucia Harris. Lucia May Harris was born February 10th, 1955, in Minter City, Mississippi, to Ethel and Willie Harris, who were sharecroppers. Lucia was the fourth of five daughters and the tenth of an eventual 11 children, and every single one of her brothers played basketball. Her sister Janie also played, but Lucia took her lumps from her older brothers in the backyard before she hit the court for Amanda Elsie High School in Greenwood, Mississippi. Under coach Conway Stewart, she honed her defensive skills while winning Most Valuable Player three times, along with making the All-State's All-Star team. Lucia had planned to attend Alcorn State University after graduation, but they did not yet have a women's basketball team. Instead, she was recruited to play for Margaret Wade, who was starting a women's program at Delta State University in Cleveland, Mississippi. Since this was prior to the Title IX Civil Rights Act, Lucia attended school on a combination of academic scholarships and work-study funds. In Lucia's freshman season, the 6'3", 180-foot-pound center led the Lady Statesmen of Delta State to a 16-2 record, but failed to qualify for the national tournament. The following year, in the 74-75 season, the Lady Statesmen went undefeated, finishing 28-0 and recording the only undefeated college season that year, men's or women's, but most importantly, qualifying for the national tournament. It's a good way to get noticed. Go undefeated, yeah. Yeah, just, just tear them up. The first NCAA women's tournament wouldn't be held until 1982, but there was a championship title for the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, or the easily said AIAW. <laughs> Delta State tore through the competition in the tournament and made it to the final to face off against the mighty Max of Immaculata University, who had won the last three AIAW titles. They're like the Cobra Kai of <laughs> no, actually, AIAW. Hilariously, the Mighty Max were a, were a, what's the word? A nunnery. Most of these women were nuns who kicked ass at basketball. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Lucia scored 32 points and pulled down 16 rebounds to push Delta to a 90-81 victory. Harris recorded a total of 138 points and 63 rebounds in the tournament and was named the MVP. It was also the first women's tournament that was nationally televised by a major network, albeit delayed. But Lucia, who would, be, who would become known as Lucy, was shown dominating the paint nationwide. That summer, Lucy was also selected to the United States national team, teaming up with fellow stars Nancy Lieberman, Ann Myers, and Pat Head. The team finished eighth in the FIBA World Championships, but won the gold medal at the Pan Am Games. They averaged 86.7 points in a margin of victory of 34.4 points. Sheesh. <laughs> wow, just all blowouts. Filthy. Filthy. Harris kept it rolling with Delta State during the 75-76 season, leading the nation in scoring with 31.2 points per game and a total of 1,060 points including a 58-point game against Tennessee Tech. Lucy and the Lady Statesmen and the Maculata would meet again for the national title, and Harris led the way, finishing with 30 points and 18 boards and a 69-64 Delta State victory. 
In the summer of 76, Lucy was selected to represent Team USA in the Montreal Olympic Games, the first ever women's basketball tournament in Olympic history. Yeah. The United States won three of their five games and took home the silver medal, with Harris playing in all five games, averaging 15.2 points and seven rebounds. As if Lucy's 1976 hadn't been sweet enough, Delta State played in one of the first women's games ever at Madison Square Garden. 10,032 fans showed up to see Queens College face Delta. But it was Lucy they really came to see, and she dazzled, scoring 47 points. Nasty. Drop 47 in the garden. You know, actually, Immaculata sounds like the bad guy from something. I don't know. I know. It sounds Or like dark. a group of bad people, like it's from like, Halo. It's like <laughs> they were like nuns who were also vampires. And they dunk on motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lucy would lead Delta State back to the national tournament for the third year in a row and again reach the title game. Harris put up 23 points and 16 rebounds in a comfortable 68-55 to 55 victory over Louisiana State University. In her time at Delta State, she was named a first-team All-American for all three of her championship-winning seasons. She scored a total of 2,981 points and had 1,662 rebounds. That's 25.9 points per game and 14.5 rebounds per game. And a career record of 109 wins and six losses. Goodness gracious. Whew, Jesus. It was tough to get through that one, but that's a damn. The queen. As a senior in 1977, she won the inaugural Honda Sports Award for basketball and the Broderick Cup, on an, an award for outstanding female athletes in college. During her tenure at Delta State, Lucia was the only black player on the team. To add to her legacy, Lucy Harris was drafted to the, Lucy Harris was drafted by the New Orleans Jazz with the 137th pick in the 1977 NBA draft. Legendary. <laughs> Harris was pregnant, pregnant at the time, but was shocked and didn't take the pick seriously. She said, I play pretty well on the women's level, but with the men, well, that's something different. <laughs> Imagine you're pregnant and you get drafted for the NBA. And you're like, I'll post up. <laughs> Low center of gravity. <laughs> I'll box you out. <laughs> The WNBA was still two decades away, and she had few opportunities to play pro basketball, so Harris worked as an admissions counselor and assistant basketball coach at Delta State. Harris played one year for the Houston Angels of the short-lived Women's Professional Basketball League during the 1979-1980 season, and she also coached the Texas Southern University women's team from 84 to 86. In 1992, she became the first black woman inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Boom. Wow. In 1999, Harris, her college coach, Margaret Wade, and her teammates from the national team were among the inaugural inductees to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. The Queen of Basketball, a film about Lucia, won the 2022 Academy Award for Best Short Documentary. On January 18th, 2022, Lucia Harris died in a therapy facility in Mount Bayou, Mississippi, at the age of 66. In the Queen of Basketball documentary, Lucia speaks about the chances to play pro ball that men had over women, stating, Yeah, they're millionaires, famous, but I wanted to grow up and shoot that ball just like they, like they would shoot it. And I did, Lucia Harris. You may have never been a millionaire, but you became the Queen of Basketball, and you are undoubtedly... 
Yeah, I think she replaces Cheryl Miller for me. She's like my yeah. new basketball crush. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> that's tough though. Cheryl Miller did a lot, but yeah, that was pretty impressive as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if there was four rounds, Cheryl Miller definitely would have been drafted. If you don't mind, I would love to read you a quote that Pat Summit had about her. Ooh, Pat Summit is a legend as well. <laughs> um. Pat Summit in her book, uh, Sum It Up, said, quote, she said of Harris, quote, the first truly dominant player of modern women's basketball, six foot three and 185 pounds of hard muscle pivoting to the rim force. <laughs> yeah, it seems like she was like the Shaquille O'Neal of women's basketball. Yeah, um... The the event the first ever president of the WNBA said uh, there just weren't w- many women of that size and skill then down low she was effective and efficient and just, people just didn't move like her like yeah exactly. just like chaperoning people yeah just chaperoning people left and right I mean that's what happens when you play with your brothers too exactly like you're gonna catch an elbow she's gonna learn how to dominate the post that's right like yeah it was funny she actually pointed out that at one point the women. Like the women who are traveling around for um, Olympic stuff and Pan Am stuff, they got to fly for everything, like for anything. And the men had to take buses, even for small things. <laughs> the women were treated better You're at first. Right. Yeah, at first. No, because the people around the world, like like when they went like internationally, when they went to Europe and stuff, the they wanted to see the women play. Makes sense. Yeah, because it was like new. It was newer, so yeah, kind of cool. Lucy Harris. Truly a legend. Gotta love it. All right. Hit me, baby, one more time with that scoreboard stumper. Scotty. All right. I want to know what is the biggest blowout as in margin of victory in NCAA, in NCAA tournament history? I hate saying NCAA. I, I hate saying that. NCAA. Yeah, shorten it up. I don't know. NCAA. <laughs> Was it... Syracuse versus Brown in 1986, UConn versus Chattanooga in 2009, or Kansas versus Prairie View in 1998. I'm going with Kansas. You're right. I am 3 and 0 this year. You are you right. It, they Holy they shit. Uh, beat them by a 58 <laughs> 58 point margin. Wow. <laughs> um was it Paul Pierce and Jacques Vaughn? Yeah, yeah. Uh, UConn Chattanooga was a 56-point mar- margin, and, and Syracuse versus Brown was 1986. Yeah, I was going to so say, I feel like... 49 points. Yeah. Yeah, well... Well done. Well well done. I also, can't wait to get to base, baseball stuff to start you know, changing your record. Good we'll, start. We'll get you back to Mendoza line in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Baseball, I'm more familiar with than basketball. I but know. Baseball just has vast more um, trivia. Okay, moving on to freezing cold takes. Mm-hmm. You cold? It's got it just got chilly in here. Yeah. Each week we recognize a hot take that has aged like fine tuna. <laughs> this week's freezing cold take is provided by Grant Williams. Woo! He um, got fouled in a tie game. Against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, with 0.8, 0.8 seconds left. Right. So he had two shots. All he needed to do was make one. But he went out of his way to mouth off to Donovan Mitchell before he went to the line by saying, I will make them both. And he missed both free throws. 
So that was a freezing cold take. Asshole. <laughs> freezing cold asshole. Like, like, imagine being like, yeah, your team was like, yeah, we got this. Like, everybody else is like, yeah, we got this. And then it's like, no, we, go, we all got this. Yeah. That's why you got to practice your free throws, kids. Practice your free throws. All right. Moving on to church. Thoughts and prayers to uh, Mikul Hardman. <laughs> uh, he campaigned to be traded to the Bears. There were rumors that the Bears would be trading for a wide receiver. You may have, you may remember our show earlier, Flex Seal. They traded for DJ Moore. And, um, well, leading up to that trade, Mikul Hardman was posting photos of Justin Fields at Georgia when he was throwing touchdown passes to Mikul Hardman there. And, you know, he was, like, you know, setting up setting the stage for his trade from the Super Bowl champions to the darlings of the NFL, the Chicago Bears. <laughs> to the Bears. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I know it's, 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 a, it's a quick relocation. I get that. It's, you know, it's pretty close. It's a short commute. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so he was not traded. Nope. And oh, Twitter was having a field day. Chiefs fans were just letting him have it. I mean, they're unbearable as it is, but they're really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry to be me, me Cole Hardman. They, I mean, you might as well just start packing, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what most of the tweets were saying. We're like, well, you might as well leave anyway after everything you said. Yeah. Take Jackson Mahomes with you. <laughs> All right. Uh, thoughts and prayers to you, Michael Hardman. <laughs> All right, shampoo. Shampoos. Shampoo. Uh, three shampoos. <laughs> we'll start with former Reds pitcher, um, and amongst other teams. I mean, he probably had about an eight ERA in Major League Baseball, but now he will be known as the starting pitcher uh, as part of a team no hitter in the World Baseball Classic on Monday night. The first no hitter in World Baseball Classic. Shampoo. Yeah, Puerto Rico. <laughs> So, yeah, Puerto Rico, Jose De Leon was starting pitcher. Congrats to him. I mean, his career was just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. hit or miss. He, was, he, he played parts of, like, six years, Major League Baseball. It never really worked out for him. But um, good to see him get, get some fame here. It, it's super cool because the um, World Baseball Classic in the first round only allows you to throw the, the starting pitcher to have 65 pitches. So you're on a pitch count. So Jose De Leon reached 5.2 innings. <laughs> oh, that's why it has to be a team yeah, hitter, huh? Yeah, like he, but like that's incredible that he got like five, five and two thirds deep before even relin- hitting the 65 pitch limit. Yeah. So congrats to you, man. You really showed that you have the stuff to hang. Yeah, with he everybody. was throwing yeah. stuff for sure. Maybe he'll get another shot. Who knows? After that, and then Edwin Diaz closed it. Yeah, right. <laughs> closed yeah, the door right? So that's my dude. So he's in good company. <laughs> he'll, he'll always be cemented in history with Edwin Diaz. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shampoo to you, Jose De Leon, and Puerto Rico. Okay. Shampoo. Uh, next shampoo. Japan pitcher, Roki Sasaki. Uh, he hit Czech Republic player William Escala with a pitch. 101 mile per hour pitch. <laughs> and then he apologized too much for the game with two big bags of candy. Shampoo. Japanese candy, which is like, okay, that's legit. Better that's than like, artichokes. Okay, that's like. <laughs> That's better than like how you know like if you think like roses and chocolates is how you say I'm sorry. No, dude, Japanese candy is how you fucking say I'm sorry. 
someone gave me Japanese candy, I'd be like indebted to them. Scotty's <laughs> trying to. I'm trying to get hit with. I'm someone. trying to get hit with a pitch for for Japanese candy. If we can get this set up, <laughs> can we set this up? Someone's allowed to hit me with a pitch for for Japanese candy. Yeah, it's not in the face. We don't need like yeah, a no face, like ass down. cheek or something. Yeah, Leg, but I don't care. Uh, yeah, so shampoo to you, Roki Sasaki, for being being a good guy and going out there, showing him no hard feelings. You know. All right, one last shampoo. My favorite one. Duque Hebert. Mm-hmm. He struck out three prolific Major League Baseball hitters in one inning and immediately earned himself a deal with the Detroit Tigers. Yep. Yeah, shampoo, dude. He struck out Juan Soto, then... J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez, and then Rafael Devers. And then an hour later, the he pitched one inning. And an hour later, the Tigers signed him to a contract. He's 21 years old. My buddy who is a Tigers fan was doing research on him. He's only been pitching for a year and a half. He was an outfielder. That's just nuts. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> you, have, you got nasty stuff. <laughs> wow. I was saying earlier, it reminds me of Rose Chapman because he had been a first baseman. He was left-handed. Left-handed thrower, so they made him a first baseman. They realized when he was about 16, year old, 16 years old that he could throw hard as shit and had absolutely zero mileage on his arm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Shampoo to you, Duque. Shampoo. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. You can also find us on Twitter at L Sportsball. That's at the letter L Sportsball. Make sure to become a member of our Facebook group, The Best and Worst of Sports Twitter, a subsidiary of Trevbook, to join the conversation and revel in sport in real time. Tune in Thursday, March 23rd, as we induct Joan Joyce. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always. Always.